Attention, all troops. She's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rock In 1986, I heard about this new show that was going to come on TV soon. It was about a toy maker who gets involved in all sorts of fun adventures, and it was right up my alley. I remember circling it in the TV guide as something I definitely needed to watch, and I remember sitting down the night it premiered and watching it and loving it. And while it was a show that was mostly made for kids, despite what the people behind the show might say, it was definitely a show that was tailor-made for kids to enjoy. And I know, because I had adults in my house who didn't really enjoy watching it with me, that it didn't necessarily appeal to them. Maybe it was too broad, but that was fine because it was a show for me and I was quite happy with that. Then I found out that this show, The Wizard, was going to be canceled. I have dealt with shows being canceled before. You kind of get depressed and then another show comes on and you forget about it. But I remember my grandmother called me in to the kitchen one day. She was sitting at the table drinking coffee and reading the paper. And she said to me, you like that show The Wizard, don't you? And I said, yes. She said, well, it looks like people are trying to save it. And there's a place you can send letters to try to save it. Now, I knew this happened with shows before. And I thought, this is great. Here's my chance to personally save The Wizard. All I needed to do was write the correct letter. So I sat down and started to write. And I talked about how it's a positive show and how I really liked all the actors in it and that I would go see it if it was a movie. I thought it was a masterpiece, but I can only guess at a couple of things being an adult now and looking back. First of all, I have terrible penmanship. It must have been almost illegible. Two, I do a lot of typos. Even now, when I'm writing with a keyboard, I can only imagine writing with a pencil, stream of consciousness, without editing, because why would I edit? I vomited out perfection that would save the wizard. Whatever the case, I got the envelope, I begged a stamp off my mother, and I sent it out. And then, just like everything else, I promptly forgot about it. And the wizard was cancelled, never recovered, I never heard anything more about the show until many years later when... I had a memory of it and really wanted to find it and then had to track it down. What I find interesting about The Wizard is that it was the show that motivated me to try to get involved. Something that we take for granted nowadays with social media where we can voice our opinion because a show has been canceled or if a show succeeds, your choice. But back when I was a kid, it required an extra step. One from which you could expect almost no feedback. Because of the Save the Wizard campaign and my participation in it, I have developed even more of a fondness for the show over the years. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about The Wizard. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about its production, its reception, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
His creations spark mystery and excitement around the world, and he's coming your way to put adventure into your life. That's the tagline for the 1986 TV show The Wizard. It was a lighthearted action-adventure TV show that aired on the CBS network from September of 1986 through March of 1987. The creation of the show was credited to three people, Michael Burke, Douglas Schwartz, and Paul B. Radin. Burke and Schwartz are longtime collaborators who helped to create a couple of shows. Notably for fans of this show, they worked on the television series Manimal. In addition to that, they would do many made-for-TV movies and then would create, after The Wizard, Baywatch, which ran from 1989 to 2001, Thunder in Paradise, which was out in 1994, Baywatch Nights, from 1995 to 1997, and then finally the TV show Sheena in 2002. If you are a Baywatch fan, there is a reference to The Wizard in the TV show Baywatch in the episode Short-Sighted from 1994. The show was dedicated to David Rappaport, the star of this show, and one of the characters on that show was named after Rappaport's character in The Wizard, Simon McKay. The third person who was a producer on the show, the supervising producer, was Paul B. Radin, who worked as a producer on many, many things. He has quite a list going all the way back to the 1960s. He worked as a producer on the movie Born Free, along with the Born Free television series. That was a pretty big deal at the time, and maybe the thing most people would know him for. He also worked as a producer on the movie The Ghost and the Darkness, which I remember seeing with my friends in the theater. The show got its start under a different name. It was called The Wizard of Elm Street. Promotional materials leading up to its release still call it that, which is a good name and actually would make it easier to look things up for it because if you just search The Wizard online, you get a lot of results. When you add The Wizard of Elm Street, you get, are you sure you didn't mean Nightmare on Elm Street? And I wonder if that had something to do with the name shortening. At some point during the process, they did, and then promotional materials just changed abruptly. Most of the filming was done on the back lot at 20th Century Fox Studios. There were some outdoor locations, mostly to show outside houses and stuff, but primarily it was shot on a back lot. The plot of the show, while high concept, is pretty straightforward. Simon McKay is a brilliant inventor who develops toys and devices, as well as things for the government. He's so important that to protect him, they assign a government agent named Alex Jagger to protect him from being taken by foreign powers who would use him. And so they travel all around the globe, having adventures and foiling bad people. As you might guess, it's pretty lighthearted in tone, with a soaring kind of adventure quality that definitely has an optimistic tone to it. I think that's best reflected not just in the plot, but in the music, which we'll talk about a little later. The part of the wizard, the Simon McKay character, was written just for the star who would come to play him, David Rappaport. In interviews that Rappaport gave, he said he wasn't sure he wanted to take the role because he had heard about actors who get involved in American television shows and how American TV has a lot more episodes per season than British TV shows, and he didn't want to get locked into something that would prevent him from doing things that he might want to do, movies, stage shows. But when he read the script and saw that it was tailored for him, 
took characteristics from his life, things he liked to do, like drumming. Also, he loved gadgets. He thought he couldn't resist, and so he signed on to play the lead role of Simon McKay. David Stephen Rappaport was born in 1951, sadly passed away in 1990, pretty young. He was an English actor who appeared in movies like The Bride and Time Bandits. On TV, in addition to his show The Wizard, he would appear on L.A. Law and lent his voice to Captain Planet and the Planeteers. I can't believe I haven't covered Time Bandits, but he has a significant role in that film. For American TV audiences, they might have remembered that Rappaport appeared in Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories in an episode called Gather Ye Acorns which is a pretty good episode. He would also appear on Mr. Belvedere and was going to have a part on Star Trek The Next Generation as Kivas Fajo in the episode The Most Toys, and they actually did film scenes with him. Because Rappaport was dealing with some pretty bad stuff, he attempted suicide at the time and had to be replaced by Saul Rubinick, who did a pretty good job. Although there are some remnants of Rappaport's performance, and the tone would have been a good bit different than what Rubinick brought to the role. Sadly, not too long later, he would successfully take his own life. Alex Jagger, Simon's sidekick and protector, although usually Simon can get out of most things, was played by Douglas Barr, who was born in 1949, also credited as Doug Barr. He's a writer, director, actor on both movies and TV. His big break came in 1981 when he was cast as Howie Munson on the TV show The Fall Guy. Once he got that role, he started to make character actor appearances on TV shows like Murder, She Wrote, The Love Boat, and Fantasy Island. After The Wizard, his most significant role was probably on the TV series Designing Women, where he played Bill Stillfield from 1988 to 1991. He would then go on to direct a few TV movies and then would get into the wine business. Fran Ryan played Tilly Russell. Fran Mary Ryan was born in 1916, passed away in 2000. Quite an actor, and especially quite a character actor. She had so many roles, it's hard to pick which one anyone would know her for. One of my earliest memories of her, besides these series of Hungry Jack Biscuit commercials that she did, was at the very beginning of the movie Stripes, where Bill Murray abandons his cab, and he's dealing with a difficult passenger. The difficult passenger... That's Fran Ryan. What is your name? John Ringer? What kind of a name is Ringer? Winger. Well, I'm adopted. I spent most of my life in institutions. Doesn't surprise me. You look like a typical low-life character to me. She would appear on other shows, though, that I really like. Batman, Adam-12, Quantum Leap, Night Court, Baywatch, Taxi. If it's a show that was on in the 70s and 80s and it needed a character actor, there's a good chance they at least talked to Fran Ryan. The role that Fran Ryan would have working for Simon McKay was originally played in the pilot by Gates McFadden. Her character in the pilot was named Darcy Stafford. Gates McFadden played Dr. Beverly Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation. She is probably best known for that. She also does choreography under another name, Cheryl McFadden. I always thought she was really good on Star Trek The Next Generation. It was odd that they took her off Star Trek The Next Generation because the showrunner didn't like working with her. But then I like that their replacement, 
played by Diane Moldauer, Dr. Catherine Pulaski, who is excellent and what a great actor she is. But that character didn't work at all, and so they had to bring Crusher back. That had to feel really good for McFadden. So the interesting thing is that you could see, based on the timing, McFadden is going to work on this show, but then Star Trek happens and she gets the role there. The Wizard, of course, doesn't last. Star Trek goes on to massive success, but I can't imagine the timing when you go off to do Star Trek after leaving this show. This show, right on the verge of being canceled. Star Trek, she gets booted off of. At the very least, she's got to be thinking, how could I only have been on one season of this? And then this other show I was on would have been only running one season. But I guess that's more than most people get one season of something that they're a star of. Roy Dotrice would play Simon's nemesis, Troyan. Roy Dotrice, who passed away in 2017, had quite a long career to modern audiences. He might be best known as the narrator of the George R.R. R. Martin audiobooks based on A Song of Ice and Fire. And he had a role in the Game of Thrones television series. He was actually supposed to play Grandmeister Pycelle, but had some medical reasons and he needed to withdraw. And he would come back and play the pyromancer in two episodes, the Blackwater and the Ghost of Heron Hall. What a great voice. I went to watch some interviews with him. I hadn't listened to the audiobooks of A Song of Ice and Fire, but I was just listening to him talk in interviews, and I could see why he would be so compelling as an audiobook narrator. Just a wonderful voice. In the pilot, they had a character, Jack Craig, played by Billy Jane, who also went by Billy Jacoby. You probably know Billy from his appearance in Cujo and Just One of the Guys. He plays the little brother, Buddy, in Just One of the Guys. I mentioned him because he appears in the pilot, and that's it. But in all the promo materials, they act like he was going to be the main sidekick. And then he wasn't. So I wonder what changed in between then as well. Hungry? Hungry Jack! Outside for them boots, boy! Track it up my floor! Ah, he'll come running back when he smells these big Hungry Jack flaky biscuits of bacon. Well, they're so big and hot and delicious. Just look at all those layers. They'll bring them walking, talking appetites around us. Them biscuits I smell, Mom? That's my Hungry Jack! Bet you got one, too. Hungry, Hungry Jack. They gobble them down and the plate comes back for Hungry Jack. This show has some great music. Just listen to this theme song and tell me you're not ready for adventure. That music was by Arthur Benjamin Rubinstein. Rubinstein passed away in 2018. He was an Emmy Award-winning composer who frequently collaborated with director John Badham on the majority of his soundtracks, which includes the classic film War Games. Rubinstein could do it all, from electronic music to big, stirring symphonies, and his resume reflected an eclectic blend of movies and TV shows. Just really talented, and his work on this show was just amazing. Just makes me so happy to listen to it. I would love the music from the show. Well, first of all, I would have liked more music to be made for the show, because the style of music that's in this show is what I want in a soundtrack. The show was released on September 9th, 1986, and it would run to March 12th, 1987. So what was on when the show premiered? I have a local TV guide from that night, and it premiered on a Tuesday at 8 p.m., 
and on NBC, it was up against the Tony Danza film Going Ape, which orangutans, Danny DeVito, and Tony Danza, A+. ABC was showing part two of the very well-received miniseries Herman Wilkes' The Winds of War. Now, my grandmother must have been busy at the time. Maybe she was at my uncle's because I got to watch The Wizard that night, and I know that she watched The Winds of War. Because she loved a miniseries. There was nothing better to her than a miniseries on television. If you had HBO, they were showing 1984's Dreamscape. On Showtime, they were airing the Daffy Duck movie. And on Cinemax, you had Excalibur. So not a bad night of television. So it started on Tuesday, but they would eventually move the show to Thursday. Which seemed like a huge mistake because it was up against the NBC powerhouse of the Cosby Show and Family Ties. And those two on Thursday nights would trounce just about anything they would put up against it. So they were probably trying to kill the wizard at that point, I guess. Sadly, the show would not last more than a season, but it would get another life in other countries. It would show in the UK as well as France starting in 1988, then Brazil, Italy, Mexico, Poland, Peru, and Spain. There, for some people, it would develop a cult following, just like here in the United States. I want to say that The Wizard was one of those shows that everybody loved, but was canceled for inexplicable reasons, scheduling problems, but it didn't have a huge fan base, and critics were not kind to it. Mark DeWidziak gave it a negative review in 1986, but then he summed it up in a way that makes me love it even more even though he meant this as criticism. He said, Take the corniest aspects of Highway to Heaven, the scientific savvy of MacGyver, the cartoony outlandishness of Misfits of Science, and the gee-whiz nature of Spielberg's amazing stories, and you'll have The Wizard. That makes me love this show so much, because all of those shows I like, and one show to combine them all, sounds pretty great. He's an exceptional hero. You don't measure a person by their height. It's the size of their heart that really matters. They call him the wizard. He's a toy maker and something more. He's also the inventive genius of our time. Whose technical wizardry proves... Anything can happen. Share the spirit of adventure. The Wizard, coming soon to CBS. Wonderful. Marvelous. Midway through the first season, Burke and Schwartz would hear from 20th Century Fox, who produced the show, that The Wizard was being canceled. As I mentioned in the story I was talking about, they weren't going to accept this and didn't give up on the show, trying to get people to write letters and hounding anyone they could to try to get the show renewed. During that, they would start the Save the Wizard campaign and tried to get people to send out letters and special flyers even to make phone calls to contact CBS television's offices to tell them what the show meant to them. And it did well enough for the news to comment about it at the time. There are newspaper reports of the letter-writing campaign, not just in the U.S., but in Canada. Some great letter-writing campaign from kids in schools and classrooms talking about it because it was a positive educational show, even though organizations that try to help TV shows or to promote quality television never picked up on it. There was a good amount of support for it, but not enough to save the show. And that's fine. Some shows don't last. But the real sad thing about The Wizard is that it's just languishing. It has not been released on home video. 
It doesn't get rebroadcast with any sort of frequency. So fans of the show are sitting there waiting, hoping it will happen. And people who've never heard of it have just zero chance to know that it even exists. There are sites online trying to promote this. One of them, the wizardtvfansite.com, has been around for a very long time. It's a great retro-looking website, and they have lots of fun material about the wizard, including articles and photographs, but so far it hasn't come to anything. And that's a shame, because while it's an orphaned show that didn't last very long, it was a fun show with a very talented person who had a way too short career. So anything we could reclaim from the past about this talented person would be pretty amazing. And so if you are interested in The Wizard, talk about it on social media. Tell anyone you can about it. If you are interested in it, some episodes have been posted online. Currently, there are a few on YouTube, so you can see it. There's also a lot of promotional material if you just want to browse that. But if you do find yourself liking it, make sure you just tell more people about it. And if you have a member of your family who might get a kick out of it, why not share it with them? The Wizard was high concept, family and kid-friendly entertainment. And while it's a show from 1986, those aspects make it timeless. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you like what you hear, you should follow Peachy on Twitch and Twitter. He's at PeachyPixel8. That's the word Peachy, the word Pixel, and the number 8. Thanks to everyone who has been supporting the show. If you'd like to support the show, please drop by wherever you download the show and give it a positive review. It helps people find it. The Retroist is on Patreon, so if you'd like to support the show, doing so you get bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes updates, bonus scans, and access to the Retroist Discord. You can find out more information at patreon.com retroist. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. And he's coming your way to put adventure into your life. That is too broad. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.